Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as he always does when we record these podcasts, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. When Dick Gibson was a little boy, he was not Dick Gibson. Ah, <laughs> uh, and today we're going to sort of discuss one of our favorite topics. Yes. But you're about to reveal. Uh, long-time listeners will know why this is going to be a difficult one. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, first of all, this comes to us courtesy of a little Facebook feedback. Yippee! This comes from Arthur. He says, hey, guys, I was wondering if you could maybe do a podcast on the Raspberry Pi mm-hmm. computer. Pi. Pi. I love Pi. Pi is awesome. Yes, both the number and the food, especially when the food and the number converge. Yes, because it is, in this case, Raspberry Pi is spelled P-I like the number, but it has raspberry like the delicious fruity filling that we mm. all love. Mm-hmm. So, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, and it yeah. is not the next build of Android. No, no. In fact, it's specifically not Android. But, you know, Jonathan, were you, do you remember the, the episode we recorded not too long ago about uh, Commodore 64? I do recall such an episode. <laughs> We're laughing to ourselves because uh, in recording time, we did that last week. So, you know, the, the episodes will be spaced out so it's not that cl- close together. But yeah, anyway. but don't worry. We're already spaced out enough as it is. Absolutely. Now, one of the things we touched on in the Commodore 64 episode was that this was uh, – that machine sold a lot of, of uh, computers to yeah. a lot of people. And one of the things that people did with those, especially young people in the day, it was fun to – Create your own programs. Yeah, to learn exactly how programming works. In fact, the Commodore 64 was the best-selling computer of all time, if you look at a very specific model of computer. Yes. So the Commodore 64 sold, I think it was 17 million units, which was pretty incredible for a single device. Especially given the the time at which it was sold and uh, um, the price at which it sold. Uh, that was not the heyday of computing, but it's really sort of started the whole snowball uh, rolling. And for a lot of people, uh, people who create your favorite software, games and, and other programs, uh, a lot of them sort of cut their teeth on the, the Commodore 64. Not Which was easy literally. to do because those were really big, oh, bulky, heavy machines. I knew he was going to say that. Uh, no, they, were, they, they got their feet wet programming. Let's use a different analogy. Yeah, that, which, by the way, I do not recommend, recommend when you're using electrical devices. I knew as soon as I said that. Okay. So uh, actually, the, the, the device we're talking about now, the Raspberry Pi, is created to do really very much the same thing. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there's a great backstory to this device. That's, that's what I think is the really compelling part of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the device itself is... Awesome too, but yes. but the reason behind it is is fantastic. So over in jolly old England mm-hmm. across the pond, and I promise I'm not going to do my terrible fake English accent today. Uh, a fellow by the name of Eben Upton, mm-hmm. who worked in admissions at Cambridge University and also would do lectures there, mm-hmm. he noticed a disturbing trend. Yes. Incoming students who are interested in studying computer science seem to be ha- to have a, a less of a grasp on the way computers work than previous generations of students. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, as time has gone on, people, the incoming classes, seem to be more ignorant of the way computers work than the previous class. 
Which, yeah. you know, you'd think that's odd because we're in a world where computers are much more pervasive than they ever have been before. To the point where you might have a computer in your pants pocket as a smartphone or a tablet on your on your desk or, or even the device you're listening to right now might very well be considered a computer. Well, lot, computers are in lots of things. Computers are in your car and in your fridge and in all sorts of other stuff. But the thing is, uh, today's computers, com- the computer computer, the one that sits on, on your desktop or a laptop or desktop machine, um, those computers just work. Yeah. And, they and do for everything a lot of people, for you. Yeah. Yeah. So back, it's, back when we were talking about the old Commodore 64 days, those were days where you're using, uh, uh, interface where it's all text-based. You're typing stuff into the computer to get it to do things. Mm-hmm. And people were wondering, well, wait, how does this work? How does, how does what I type in translate into this action? And how can I create my own programs knowing that there's this one language I can use to build something that, that, you know, when you execute a command, it does something kind of cool. And you've got a lot of people getting into it and sort of a hobbyist level. Right. Well, those people, when they would go to school, some of them would say, you know, I loved tinkering with that stuff. I want to learn more about it. This is what I'm going to pursue as a career. Mm -hmm. And they became that generation of computer engineers and scientists. Well, the problem is that we've got these devices that are now so sophisticated and do so much for us that that level of tinkering has been taken out. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to tinker with a device that's running, say, a a sophisticated graphics Graphic user interface. Right. You know, you can't, you're not seeing the underlying programming that's making this all go, and you might very well not have very much exposure to it. And in fact, Upton's point was that he said that the students he was encountering, most of them had little to no understanding of any programming. If they had anything, it was HTML. Uh, programming, which is not really programming. HTML is a markup language. It it changes the way stuff looks, mm-hmm. but it's not truly a programming language. Right. You know, if I may be permitted an analogy, I think it's sort of like somebody going to say, you know what, I want to become a mechanic. And somebody goes, okay, so y- you have a car. Uh, what makes it go? Uh, well, I step on the gas and it makes it go. Yeah, but... What about the engine? What about the yeah, parts of an engine? Yeah, and they go, I, I don't, I don't know. I know that stepping I'm, on the gas makes it move forward. I know that I put the groceries in the trunk, and right. at the other end, there's something. Exactly, I don't know. and that was that was Upton's point was that students only had a very superficial understanding of computers. They had nothing, and it's, it seemed like it was getting worse each year. Yeah. Now, I mean, you you have computers now. Um, that come with programming languages built into the computer when you take it home and unwrap it and take it out of the box. It's got that stuff, but a lot of people don't even mess with it. And, right. and he wanted, um, he wanted people to be able to get started programming in a very inexpensive way. Yeah. And so he, Upton realized, and it, it's, this is all stated on the Raspberry Pi, uh, Pi. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's, it's stated on so their, on their webpage. Uh, so if you go to the webpage, you can actually read this whole story mm-hmm. that we're summarizing here. But um, Upton's point was that he knows that 
access does not automatically solve a problem. No. Right? But that without access, you can't solve a problem. Exactly. And so one of the things he thought would be important is to try and create a very, very low-cost computer mm-hmm. that would give people the opportunity to really play with programming in a way that hasn't been seen since the days of the Commodore 64 and other computers of that era. Yes, yes. And so he set out to try and create as an affordable a computer as possible. This is essentially – it's a nonprofit approach. It's a charity approach to this. Yes, um, to so that you could get as many of them into schools and into private hands as possible so that people, kids mostly, could really get their hands on some programming. And perhaps this would inspire the next generation of computer engineers. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're talking about the possibility of a buy one, send one approach in right. the future. Um, they, they, As the time we're recording this in January 2012, they just started manufacturing these devices probably within the last... Uh, six to eight weeks, yeah, from and, what I understand. And you, and so they're still you, pretty new. And if you go to the shop, they are not actually in the shop. The only thing that's in the shop right now are stickers, stickers for keyboards. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but uh, they might they might send one later. Uh, a lot of the, uh, the places like uh, One Laptop Per Child yeah. do that, where you can you can purchase a machine for someone else who may not otherwise be able to afford one, and they will send it out and, and help somebody get started, and, which I think is, is a, a nice idea. Yeah, and Raspberry Pi does the same thing, pie. where you can choose mm, pie. Where you can choose to actually send it to, uh, uh, you know, yes. instead of purchasing one for yourself, you just spend the money in order for yeah. someone else to have this device. So let's talk about what the device actually is. Well, the device, um, if, if you're looking for something, if you're one of those people who looks at a computer and it just works, uh, this device may be kind of mystifying to you because it doesn't have a case. Yeah. It looks like a, a circuit board. Circuit board. Yeah. Um, with stuff on it. Yep. It's, it's kind of interesting. It is, it is, it's the heart of a computer, but it's a tiny, tiny size. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I think I have the, the, um, the diagram. The, looks, it looks like this. I'll, I'll hold it up to the mic. Yeah. Maybe you can, okay, Everyone you can take a look around. at it at the uh, Raspberry Pi site. Right. No, um, I was going to, I was going to actually give the, um, oh. the measurements okay. uh, of it. Uh, 85.6 millimeters by 53.98 millimeters. And that's length and width. Depth and 17 is millimeters for the depth. 17. As I recall. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so it's, uh, it's tiny. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about the size of a, I don't know, a smartphone, a, a phablet. Yeah, it's the size. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> you did that just to yes, see the vein twitch in my forehead. It's um, it's got it's got a few um interfaces soldered onto the board. Yep. Um, of course, it's got a, it's got a processor chip, a Broadcom BCM twenty eight thirty five ARM chip. It's seven hundred megahertz. Yep, it's not the fastest thing in the world, um, but it does have an RCA video out, an audio jack, um, USB two. Uh, an Ethernet jack on one of the two. They have an A and a B model. Yeah. Um, they have an HB, HDMI uh, port, yep. uh, micro USB for power, and yep. an SD card slot. It also will work on batteries. Yes, yes. Four double A's, I think, is mm-hmm. what it will work on. But you can also use the micro uh, USB and plug in a cable mm-hmm. and either plug that into another device or into a wall yeah. to power it. So it's um, got no monitor in, installed, though you can hook it up to one. It's got... Uh, um, no, you know, it's got networking capabilities. Yep. No Wi-Fi. It weighs 45 grams or one-tenth of a pound. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have a few LEDs to tell you how it's working. Um, yep. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, so essentially what you would do with this thing is, uh, let's say that you have the Model A. Okay. Okay. So you would use an HDMI out probably for yeah. it to go out to a television or a monitor. 
And then you would use uh, a three and a half millimeter headphone jack. You would plug your headphones in so you could get sound. Although I, uh, with HDMI, that's going to carry sound too. So you could actually have sound straight through the monitor if your monitor has um, speakers in it. Mm-hmm. So if you're using a television, you could just use the TV speakers. Uh, you would also use a USB keyboard uh, and plug mm-hmm. that into it. And then you've got your keyboard uh, user interface. If you wanted to have a mouse, then what you would need to do is get a USB hub uh-huh. Plug that or, into, or a keyboard that has ports on it. Right. What? In which case, the keyboard itself is a hub. Um, but Come anyway, on. you got you got to have a USB hub, possibly in the shape of a keyboard, <laughs> and then you could plug your mouse into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing is, that it doesn't have a hard drive on it. Nope. But you could get a doesn't have a clock on it either. Yeah, you could get an external hard drive and and plug that into it if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You would have the, the, using a, using a lot of existing technology, you might have to actually go out and buy the keyboard. The funny thing is the keyboard might actually cost more than the Raspberry Pi. It, it depends on the, oh. Uh, cause yeah, the, the two models, the Model A that has no Ethernet is $25. Mm-hmm. The Model B that has Ethernet is a princely $35. Ah, uh, okay. Bringing the princely back. Yep. There, there was a Model T and you could get it in any color as long as it's black. <laughs> That's a Ford joke. Uh, so yeah, the, the two models, uh, 25 and $35, that's incredibly affordable for a fully functional computer. And you might wonder, well, what does this computer run? Uh, these are designed to run, uh, specific Linux distros. Yes. So we're not talking Windows or the Mac OS or, or even certain, uh, Linux distributions like Ubuntu do not work with it yet. It doesn't run Android yeah, origi- at the moment. Originally it was going to run Ubuntu, but then Ubuntu realized, the people behind Ubuntu realized that they were not hitting their schedule properly, so they knew that they, they were not going to be able to build in support for Raspberry Pi, mm. uh, they, they off did, the top. It did sound like it's something that Canonical, the company behind, uh, Ubuntu and other distributions of Linux are, are working on. Yeah. But the, it's not currently available. The specific ones that are available at launch are Debian, Fedora, and Arch Linux. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are the three that can work right off the top of the, the as soon as it ships. Yeah. And, and there have been some beta ones sent out already. Mm-hmm. It also sounded like it's possible that they, that it, that the makers of Raspberry Pi, mm, Pi. Uh, would be willing to accept uh, Android, but they're not going to port it themselves. Somebody else, if, if somebody else does it, they'll be cool with that. Yeah. But. In other words, it's, this is a very open source kind of approach where the community is going to provide a lot of the actual uh, content and, and functionality uh, beyond just the basics that mm-hmm. the that the foundation that has been created to do this will, yeah. will do. Also, yeah. the Model A and Model B, I should mention, they also have different uh, amounts of memory. Yes. Model A is 128 megabytes of memory. Model B is 256 megabytes of memory, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I think the Model B actually has two USB ports. Yes, uh, which could be good because you could plug in a, a Wi-Fi dongle into uh, uh, you know one of the Raspberry Pi devices mm-hmm, Pi. Um, to uh, to give it Wi-Fi connectivity, but it's not built into the to the board. Yeah, yeah, that's the nice thing about USB, right? Is that the there's so many different peripherals yeah. that use that standard uh, that can really extend the functionality of any computer, but particularly for something like this where uh, it's just a very creative approach to solving this problem. So, uh, yeah, the the whole goal here is that you get this device in as many hands as possible. And the Linux distros are designed in such a way that uh, that 
they do kind of harken back to that Commodore 64 day mm-hmm. where it's it's it requires a certain level of investment on the part of the user to learn how the system works and and to really kind of explore it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the whole purpose of this is not you know it's not just that it's a, a cheap computer that can get into the hands of people. The the ultimate purpose is to inspire people to really look into programming and learn more about it and and possibly become the next you know genius programmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mainly they're going to be working with uh, the Python programming language. Yeah. But uh, there are also other languages supported, including basic. <laughs> uh, although it's, uh, from what I understand, it's uh, a, a form of basic called BBC basic. Mm. Uh, there's also the C programming language and Perl. Ah, okay. So um, uh, there will be other languages probably added in. Support will be added in later. Uh, and uh, it's any programming language. The, the, the limitation is that the programming language has to have support for Linux, mm-hmm. because that's the operating system, and for ARM the processor. processors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because not every programming language works with every processor. Nope. Um, it's one of those tricky things about computers is that you know you just when you think you got it all figured out, you realize that there's a hardware limitation. Yeah, but those those languages that you mentioned for the most part are um, uh, processor neutral. Yeah, I mean those, those uh, you know Python, C, Perl, those are they're all you know cross platform. Yeah, um, and you might be saying, well, you know, you guys, that sounds pretty cool and all, but uh, you know, for the general public, why is that interesting? Well, for one thing, it gives more people a chance to try out computer programming. Inexpensively. I mean, this is something that if you've always wanted to do, this could be a, a cool way to get into uh, uh, to hacking and learning how to write your own software and how computers work. I mean, this is this is an, an inexpensive way to get your your uh, not your feet wet, your <laughs> your your uh, di- to you could dive into you could try programming. Okay, good. but um, but yeah, there there's also another audience that uh, again. Uh, the Raspberry Pi people are not discouraging at all. And those are the people who already know how to do this stuff but want to try making something else out of this little computer. And one of the things I've already seen them do is messing with XMBC, yeah, which is a media center. It's a, an open source media center. Um, and uh, it, it's available. Again, this is cross-platform. You can build your own. Um, you remember that was a podcast from a long time ago, building your own uh uh, media, center. media center. Yeah. Um, but this, and this, uh, operating system works for, uh, existing machines. Linux, Windows, Mac OS 10, um, works on all of them. But they've seen XMBC running on a Raspberry Pi. Um, so the question is, what can makers do with this device? We talked about the Arduino and, and the microcontroller yeah. board. This is another device like that. Exactly. In, in this, the way that you can. I would say this is, this is to computers what Arduino is to circuits. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I've already heard about people who are interested in robotics using yes. this as a component in, in, uh, their next robot. Yeah. I also saw a video online of a guy who had, Created a uh, essentially what what amounts to an Apple TV mm-hmm. using this, where he could he could push video from an iPad to a television through the Raspberry Pi. Mm-hmm. Pi. Mm. Uh, so uh, yeah, so I mean, there the the applications are numerous. So and and the nice thing is at twenty five or thirty five dollars a pop, it's a really affordable component. I mean, you're talking about hobbies that. 
you know, hobbyists in these areas are sometimes accustomed to spending multiple hundreds of dollars sure. on, on projects. So when you suddenly have like the brains of your project is 25 or 35 dollars, that opens up a lot of opportunities. Yeah. I mean, even if you went down to the computer store and you said, I want to build a computer, um, yeah, I'm going to need a case going, you're for never my computer. Going to have a computer cheaper than $35. No, no. And, um, I believe they're also talking about a case. So if that, that's yeah. putting you off. Yeah, there's no case right worry. now, but that there are plans for that on. in the future. Yeah. So it's, uh, cause yeah, that's, that's one thing some folks have said, like, well, it looks a little kludgy. Like, it looks a little like, you know, you've got this hardware showing that mm-hmm. to some people just seems a little weird. Like it looks e, like a naked circuit board. Yeah. It looks like, looks like someone went crazy and took a radio apart or something. And now there's just these pieces sitting around. So, uh, there is talk about creating uh, a case, although I'm sure there's going to be, uh, plenty of people out there who are going to, the, the folks that I think really this appeals to are the same ones who will go out and build their own cases. Mm-hmm. Who Probably. will, you know, you'll end up seeing like some really crazy, interesting, uh, variations on cases for the Raspberry Pi. Mm-hmm. Pi. Uh, and uh, I've, I've already seen a Lego-based case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Course, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Of course, you don't want to uh, completely seal it off because you've got to not only provide access to the ports, but also provide a little cooling, um, make sure a little air can get to it. But um, but yeah, I mean, for considering it will take wired or wireless connections, and I'm including power in that, um, you can do all kinds of things with this little device. Yeah. Um, and possibly get a whole new generation of people interested in what it takes to uh, to learn programming and learn what you can do with computers of all kinds. Um, you know, I think this is a, an excellent opportunity and a great idea. Um, and the nice thing is too that all the hackers will, uh, who are buying up the machines will also provide money for the charity side, um, who can then, uh, possibly distribute these to people who are just getting started, who may not necessarily have the money to, to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a really cool idea. And I, you know what? I, I can predict already that I'm going to pick one of these up yeah, as soon I as so. I can because, I mean, f- for $35, how can I not? Yeah. And, uh, I, it would be, just be cool to have something where I could, you know, have a device specifically where I, I'm learning to program, maybe do a couple of these hacks, uh, and, uh, and just sort of experiment with it, you know, use it for what it was intended for, really, yeah. to, to, yeah. to learn about programming. And, uh, frankly, I've, I've, while I know about programming, I've never really gotten into it on a deep level. Back when I was a kid, I started getting into it with basic. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, me too. Uh, but, you know, I, I never went far beyond the program that when you tell it to run, it prints out a picture of a cake or something. Or maybe a pie? Maybe a pie. But, I was uh, trying to avoid it because I think at this point, if people have been counting up how many times we've said <laughs> pie, they've got to be exhausted by now. Well, you know, we'd have to stick with that because the cake is a lie. Yes, that's true. So, uh, no, the but it's, is <laughs> this is, this is seriously nifty stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and these, the things that you're learning are not just applicable to, uh, this little computer, but right. also to other computers. Yeah, and once you, can you get port started, it to other stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's really good because it'll give you the foundation, the basics that you need to be able to, to build more complex programs. And, uh, and once you get that, that, foot in the door where you've got that understanding, then it's really all, it's just up to you about how far you want to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited to see how this develops and whether or not it ends up being a successful program. I certainly hope it is because it's clear that, that 
the the people who are part of this foundation, their hearts are in the right place. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, you know, they recognize that creating an accessible machine is just part of the problem. You can't, you know, you can't just give people access to stuff and expect that to solve everything. But uh, it's a good first step. So hopefully, maybe maybe in a, a generation or two. <laughs> maybe maybe less, but maybe like in in ten years when uh, Cambridge is looking at the peop- the students that are are applying to study computers, they're going to find that uh, they're much more um, uh, knowledgeable about mm-hmm. the the field than the folks who applied this year. Yep. No no uh, slight against anyone who's at Cambridge, by the way. No. I mm-hmm. have I have uh, nothing but respect for your comedy programs. What I mean that produced half of Monty Python. <laughs> yeah, okay, but um, yeah, and and another nice thing is uh, since it is a a charity organization, I feel comfortable giving out their address on the podcast, which is Raspberry Pi with you know P I, not the with an E, right? Um, dot org. Now, dot uh, com is also also belongs to them, but that's the store specifically. If you want to learn more about the device and the and the group that that uh, is making it and and all of that. Uh, go to the raspberrypi.org site, and they will uh, provide you with all the information you need there. But, yep. Um, and I can't wait to see what kind of crazy hacks come out of all this, because you know there are going to be people out there who are going to apply this in ways that we just can't even conceive of at this moment. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and those are going to be really awesome. It's going to have an instant following, I think, just yeah. because it's so affordable and uh, people are going to want to mess with it. Yeah. Uh, even yeah. people who are not necessarily, uh, you know, the people you would consider makers or hackers now. I think they'll go, hey, you know what, I can afford that. I'm going to try it. Yeah. i got an extra monitor laying around here. I can plug this thing in and go. Or heck, I, I've got an extra HDMI cable. I can take over the TV exactly. every now and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, neat. It'll be fun. So, uh, yeah, I, if any of you out there end up purchasing a, a Raspberry Pi and you start playing with it and uh, you guys have, like, your own experiences, definitely let us know. Maybe we'll do a follow-up episode at some point and That'll talk about sort of the – the experiences people have had with this device and sort of the, the you know what they've discovered with it whether or not they found it helpful to have something like this to, to, while learning to program mm-hmm. uh, i would love to hear that kind of information so uh, hopefully in a few months we'll be able to hear back from some of you guys as uh, you experiment with this if you choose to go out and buy one of these um and uh, we'll revisit the topic at that point. That uh, but if you guys have anything else you would like us to talk about, any other specific subjects, you can let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. Or send us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Fork staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House to Fork's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?